it's not just the writing of the words. You don't just give me the screens and fill in the blanks. It's like, no, I need to be thinking as a designer and not just thinking about the words on the page, but thinking about the illustrations, thinking about the graphs, thinking about like the voice and tone. And now when we move to more voice UI and augmented and virtual reality, you have to start thinking about like, okay, who's the person who's actually saying these things? This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello and welcome to Writers in Tech. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Aledrin Goods, a content designer at Intuit. To be honest, we met for the first time in person, <laughs> semi-in-person, in Clubhouse app. I talked about Clubhouse lately in the podcast a lot. And to be honest, Aledrin is one of the leaders in UX writing and content design in Clubhouse right now, doing all of these conversations. And that's pretty awesome. So I'm so happy to have you here, Aledrin. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. And it is funny that we finally met on Clubhouse. I think I've been in your UX writing hub group for a couple years now and been following the group and seeing the things you've been doing. So I'm glad you know our paths finally connected. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. It's a serendipitous moment, you know? For sure. I think you came into one of our early conversations. I'm like, oh, yeah, we got to bring Yuval to the stage. If anyone knows about UX writing on a global level, <laughs> it's definitely you. So thank you for joining us. And I'm really excited to be here today. Thank you. Actually, this is a funny story because I just downloaded Clubhouse like maybe two or three days before that. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I wonder if there are people talking about UX writing on Clubhouse. And I was on my way to do the vaccine. And okay. I, like, I was supposed to do the vaccine. And then I'm getting this ping from Nicole. Nicole that works in Spotify from Sweden. And I'm joining this group at this room. And I'm seeing like, I think there was like 300 people in the audience. And then you invited me to be a moderator. And that's the funky part of Clubhouse. Like all of a sudden without... Any consent or any preparation, yeah. <laughs> Without any preparation, I'm on my way to do the vaccine. And then I'm like speaking with you in front of like hundreds of people. And that was yeah. like a magical moment. I felt so good. It was so amazing. Like the UX community has grown so much in Clubhouse, but they have such a love and affinity for content and UX writing. And I was blown away by that group too, because that was maybe our second or third conversation about UX uh, content on Clubhouse. So to see it jump over 300 was insane. And there was people from all around the world, which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. But yeah, I love that we had that. Really looking forward to doing more conversations like that. And yeah, I'm glad you got your vaccine too. So shout out to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So I said you've built like a really impressive profile on Clubhouse. So how did you do that? You know, honestly, like when I first got on Clubhouse, I'm like, what do I want to do with this platform? Do I really care? Like, do I want to like lead conversations? Do I want to just listen in to conversations? And slowly but surely, you know, I kept getting asked to be on stage about UX content and about UX. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I should try to own this part of my social media experience, right? So for the bio, I mean, they still do it sometimes in Clubhouse, but Mario Armstrong like led this like hack your bio on Clubhouse talk. 
and basically gave some really good tips on how to put quality content in your bio so people can find you. Because basically on Clubhouse, your bio is searchable for everyone on the platform. So putting, you know, content designer, UX design tutor, some emojis in there, put my alma mater from from college and then list of the rooms that I co-host throughout the week on Clubhouse in there as well. Yeah, I mean, I kind of just listened to Mario Armstrong's tips and just updated my bio and it's been pretty cool. I don't know if I have the best bio on Clubhouse, but it gets the job done. <laughs> It's amazing. It definitely is because I started to have really interesting set of followers and relatively large amount of followers. So that's pretty cool. And that's interesting, like SEO for Clubhouse, how to optimize right. your account to, to be on the first search when people look for stuff. So that's pretty cool. I think I'm going to use that as well. And I'm going to check out Mario's talks as well. Very cool. So I want to chat with you a little bit about how did you got into UX writing? I know that you worked in Toyota before. So I would love to learn more about that and how you find your way in into it right now. Yeah, absolutely. So well, my career started a while ago, way back in 2012, when I was doing marketing events for a startup tech company in Santa Barbara. But fast forward several years, I was working at Toyota Lexus. I was in the Lexus Guest Experience Center, which is the fancy name for the Lexus Call Center. Right. So I started on the phones talking to customers about how come my car isn't starting from my phone app. Like what's really going on? Like I'm really just trying to start my car. And I'm like, this is a huge first world problem. But it was bigger than just a first world problem. Like it was I mean, it was definitely still a first world problem, but it was more of a, a user experience problem. I was really committed to learning the ins and out of the application and trying to figure out how do we we solve this from a customer experience perspective. But it was also enrolled in a UX design course. So really just trying to think of like the design problems in the context of that application. So like I moved from being on the phones, talking to customers, dealing with their problems, to being a digital communication specialist, which is the person who reads the emails, responds to all the emails that come into the company, responds to the live chats, responds to like some social media posts as well. And this was the opportunity where I was connecting some of like my UX design skills that I was learning in my class, as well as like using the Lexus voice and tone guidelines to revamp all of our emails templates that we were using, all of our chat templates, as well as even how we connected on social media. So that was kind of like my ad hoc experience with like content design, if you will, from writing customer facing emails and chats. I feel like that UX writers that had like direct communication with their users or with customers mm -hmm. have such a huge value to the company because They know already how to communicate with the customers, so they also know how to communicate the product in a better way. Absolutely. And it's the customers tell you how they want to be talked to. Spending that time on the phone, spending that time understanding like the context. To us, it seems like, okay, your app isn't working. But thinking about, okay, this customer's in Ohio. They've spent 
$60,000 on this vehicle. It's the middle of winter, like all these things. It starts to help you build that empathy for them. So then as someone who's writing in response to that email, you can start to really communicate that you're understanding that that customer's problem. And then, you know, obviously the troubleshooting methods are the way the troubleshooting methods is, but it's really the em- empathy and the voice and tone that kind of ties that all together to make it a great experience. So you use course and then you were a communication specialist and eventually you start working at Intuit. So Intuit to the audience that don't know what I know. So Intuit is like for invoices and manager of finance, am I right? Yeah, we have a few different products. So we do we do software for small businesses. We do tax software for consumers. We do personal finance software for consumers, as well as we build professional accounting software as well. So you may have heard of QuickBooks. You may have heard of TurboTax. You may have heard of Mint. And then I work in our Intuit accountant space, which is likely the software your accountant uses to do your taxes here in the States. All right. I know how it looks like in Israel, and that's a really lame product. It's like poorly designed, so complicated. Here in Israel, it's not into it. It's like the Israeli adaptation of the product that you're designing. So, but people are still using it because it's like 25 years old, and they're like, okay, right. so we just keep it because it is what it is. So what are the current challenges in, in that kind of product? I guess that your product is also a few years old, like a few decades old. So what are the challenges to work on those legacy products? That's a great question. So I'll start by kind of setting the context to how like Intuit Accountants is set up. So we have two legacy desktop products that are one is like 30 plus years old that Intuit acquired way back in the day. And then another one is still about like 20, 25 years old. And then we have like our new shiny online product that's still about 10 years old. But I'm the first content designer in this business unit. So one of the biggest challenges when I first started was figuring out like, okay, where to start, right? Because there's so many opportunities within each of these specific products to revamp, revise, make sure it's aligned with our design principles and the voice and tone is aligned. So that was huge. <laughs> that was, it was like a huge undertaking, but what was great is that there was someone who had done a content audit previously. So I was able to kind of look at, you know, what his content audit was and then really prioritize, okay, these are the most customer facing interactions Mm -hmm. or screens. Like let's start there. And how do we revise this one by one? And then another challenge when using like a legacy product, I think for our desktop, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the content was hard coded. So it was really about connecting with our PMs and getting this work prioritized and telling our dev partners that, hey, like we need the the words here don't make sense. And it's probably impacting the adoption of this product or the overall user experience. So it it was definitely a challenge, but I'm not one to turn down a good challenge. And it helped me grow a lot just in those first few months of being on the team. That's amazing. So how do you start? I have the content audit and now you need to prioritize. So you said that you prioritize it based on the most customer facing screens, I'd say. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? Like you look on the data and then you see actual, the actual numbers? Yeah. So I got to have to like pull from my memory <laughs> from like two years ago. But yeah, I think it was really looking at the audit and just seeing like, okay, working, working with my PM and saying like, all right, this is where we see content showing up in the product. Let's actually just go through 
the product and try to match this up, right? So like whether it's like creating a tax return and seeing like what screens show up there. And then it became that just prioritizing like the main functionality of the app. And the one thing they need to do in the product is create a tax return. So walking through that priority flow. Then secondly, it was almost ad hoc. Like I'll be in sprint reviews and see a error message or a toast or a page where it doesn't make sense. And I'll just screenshot it and say, hey, let's follow up. Let's get some content done on this. So once I was there and was able to kind of point out the opportunities, then people were more proactive and kind of reaching out to me. And I think it's also about working really closely with like my designers. So for like new designs that were going out, we kind of had a kickoff. We I'd get the download on the context of what actual feature we're building for and why and what the customer experience is. And then the writing was damn near the last part that we do. But because I was now in the conversations earlier, the whole design was better. That's amazing. First of all, you said a few very smart things. So we focus on different parts of the interface, like how to do text returns at the first. And then as time goes by, you had a chance to have a seat at the table at like earlier uh, stages in the process, working closely with the designers. And I'm curious to know about your tips to, you told me like uh, people send you screenshots and stuff like that. So what will be your best practices for collaborating, creating some kind of a flow that will make sense? I know that it can be a huge mess. I know that when I work even with my clients, it really depends on the clients. It really depends on the team. But based on your experience, how would you recommend people that are just starting out or people that are trying to build some efficient process? So what's your take on that? Absolutely. So I think when I was first starting out, it was almost overwhelming because I think everyone knew that they needed a content person, but didn't necessarily know how to work with the content person. So I think one thing that really helped kind of scale the knowledge of how to work with content design, we did a kickoff with one of our senior principal designers at the time who came in and did a training for all of our partners on the discipline of content design. So basically giving everyone a foundational level of what content design is, what it isn't, the principles behind the discipline, and how to work with your content designer. So in that, we we also shared, hey, this is your content designer. This is the type of stuff that she works on. This is the type of music she likes. This is the way she like best works, you know, just giving some like personal connection and context to me. And I was also new too. So this was a great way for me to connect with my team and for them to connect with me. And then the second thing was creating a OpMEC or operation mechanism where, okay, this is content design office hours. This is my one or two times a week where I can take ad hoc requests where people can come in and ask questions, bring in different things. And that was super helpful. And the next thing was to, for those ad hoc requests, is to create like a form that is standardized. So if you're receiving requests from your PM, if you're receiving requests from dev partners, from design partners, that you have all the context that you need in order to start to to get started because the sometimes like you know people were excited to work with me which is ex- amazing but getting slack requests all throughout the day is a bit overwhelming and 
especially right. when you don't have all the information uh, that you need. So I think that's those are the two things I would say, like if you're just starting out one level, the playing field, get everyone on the same page. If content design is new to your team to set up a specific designated time for ad hoc requests and then three create a form that standardizes all the questions that you need so you can start to like prioritize those requests and not be as overwhelmed amazing wow those are amazing tips so thank you so much for that and technical questions so if we create some kind of a form and you know request starts to pile up so Uh, what kind of tools do you use to do that? Like Google Forms or is it like Airtable or something completely different? Yeah, so we use a tool called Smartsheet in our team, but Google Form could work really well. We I use Smartsheet because it is connected to the spreadsheet where all of our team's priorities go. So then like my manager has visibility to it. Like, okay, these are the amount of content requests we're getting in from all these different places. And then she could use that strategically. We also use it for our UX office hours too. So she can use that strategically if, you know, like to tell our VP, like, hey, in addition to all the work that we're doing and we're allocated for, this is all the help <laughs> that we're helping. This could be a full-time job. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's, that's why we connected it <laughs> to Smartsheet. Amazing. So it helps you also to manage your time, manage the amount of work you do, and eventually understand if you need to hire more writers or maybe prioritize the writing task or something like that. That's pretty cool. Smartsheet. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's pretty nerdy, but if you need a free option. I love nerdy. I love nerdy. Okay, okay cool. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> then you might, you might love it. And then one other thing I would say is a great thing is set up one-on-ones. With the folks that you're you're gonna work with and then getting to know your product manager getting to know your designers and like your development partners like that's really key because this role is really about relationships more than it is about writing because if they don't know you or you don't have that relationship or rapport You may not be invited to those key meetings earlier in advance. Taking the time to be proactive in, in those relationships is really a golden ticket to success. Wow, amazing. So take the time, book one-on-ones with your team. Make sure that you know everyone in your team. That's a, a really great tip. And I love all of those useful tips. So thank you so much. Absolutely. So I have a question about how do you see the, the future Of writers in tech, you know the title kind of changed lately, so it was content strategy for a while and mm-hmm. then UX writing for a while now content design is more trendy and maybe content design is where we're heading and and I love that because we have some kind of alignment with with our titles, which was a, a huge problem for years so regardless to the titles, which is only like syntax, but where do you think this field is heading so Products are becoming more content heavy mm-hmm. and technology changes. So how do you see the future of writers in tech? So this is a fascinating question and I love this question. And I just saw something on LinkedIn yesterday that really helped to start thinking more about this. I think content design is the future of all design. I think because as we start to move away from interfaces or digital interfaces to more voice and virtual interfaces, everything that shows up in there will be content. 
And I'm not saying content as just the words on the page. I'm not saying content as like you doing TikTok videos. Like I'm thinking like the overall experience, right? So like, what is going to be the images? What's going to be the illustrations? Like what's going to be the voice and the sound of the voice in these virtual or augmented reality experiences, right? Like I think all of that is content. And I love that we're moving more from I love content strategy. I think content strategy is, is awesome. I think we do need those strategic minds to kind of think about how all these things work together. I feel like UX writing is fantastic as well. And but content design, like I love this thought of content as design because it really is. It's not it's not just the writing of the words. Like you don't just give me the screens and fill in the blanks. It's like, no, I need to be thinking as a designer. And not just thinking about the words on the page, but thinking about the illustrations, thinking about the graphs, thinking about like the voice and tone. And now when we move to more of voice UI and augmented and virtual reality, you have to start thinking about like, okay, who's the person who's actually saying these things? How does this translate to a different language? So I don't know. I'm really excited about the future of this. And I think we're finally going to get the respect we deserve as content folks in UX. (laughs) That's true. And the titles were so crazy in the last few years. It was like UX copywriter, mm-hmm. content strategist, designer, content designer, UX writer. Mm-hmm. And content design is just like kind of makes sense to everyone now. I guess we will yeah. have to rebrand the UX writing hub at some point. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You got to be at the content design hub. No, I'm just kidding. But it, and then I saw you did <laughs> that. And it's fascinating to me, too, because I saw you did the you, you all just released like the salary report for UX. Yeah, Yeah. for the survey. And it's fascinating that like there's a pay difference between like UX writing and content design. It's crazy, right? That's so wild. That's so wild to me. But let me tell you what stands behind that because data is a tricky beast. So basically in different countries, you have different kind of approach to different titles. So in England, content design has been a thing, you know, you have content design London, Sarah, Richard. Right, right. Sarah Richards, yep. So she's been doing the content design thing for a while now, like years. The content design scene kind of is, is relatively new in the States. So it's not that it's a new practice because you had people that were doing it. They, they just had the name like content strategists and UX writers. Mm-hmm. So data varies between different countries. That's why if you go to the survey inside of our website, we have also a link to a dashboard. And then you have like specific, uh, you can play around with it, which is something that I'm very proud of because I did it. I did like a complete course in data analytics just to set it up. <laughs> uh, so I'm proud of it. So if That's you're awesome. listening to us right now, check out the salary survey. Many people in the industry are already telling me that it's helping them when they are hiring or mm-hmm. when they're looking for a new gig, mm-hmm. if they're freelancers or if they are want to work in a product team full-time in different countries, it's going to help you to negotiate your salary and to get better salary eventually if you are going to, you know, you can have some nice benchmark. And I think it's really important. Like I love the transparency of this too, because a lot of folks think that to get in tech, you have to code. You know, I had that mindset too. Like I didn't learn about UX or even content design until I didn't learn about content design until I was applying for this job, to be honest. And that was in 2019. Mm-hmm. And UX, I didn't learn about UX until like 2016 or 2017. And 
once I found out about UX, I'm like, oh, I've been doing UX throughout my whole career. Like this is the thread throughout my whole career. Being an empathetic problem solver, yes. Making wireframes, I've done that. Customer research, yeah, I've done, I've talked to customers, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just like, I love the transparency of this because you don't necessarily have to be technical to be impactful in tech and to make a nice living doing something you love. That's amazing. Very inspiring. And if you're listening to us right now, definitely check out like a legend on LinkedIn and on Clubhouse and uh, reach out and so many great tips here. And I'm very inspired right now. I'm happy to help. Cool. So how do you think we should name this episode? Like a lot of useful tips here about like how to improve your process, how to work better with your product team, a little bit about the future. So there was the part when you talked about like free tips that were extremely useful. Like when you set up like alignment with your team and then you have like open hours and then you have the form with the smart sheet. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can go with like a small clickbait with like three tips for blah, 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 for working better, you know? Okay, cool. So three tips to jumpstart your UX content career or something like that. Or three tips. Boom. You think that's good? <laughs> so so that was good, but then I thought about it. So it's not to jumpstart your UX writing career that's because it's career. kind of like... You already got your, the to job. Set up you the, already the, got the job. Exactly, ex- exactly, exactly. So to, to set right. up your... Team for Success or something like that. Aladrian, it was amazing to have you here today. I'm so excited. Absolutely. This is great. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Thank you. We're going to add all of the links to the show notes. And if you want to reach out, the best place to find you would be on... LinkedIn. LinkedIn is like my favorite platform. I'll make sure you've all dropped the link in the in the show notes. Yeah, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Happy to have any conversations. Join the UX content club on Clubhouse. We're working to get a schedule. You've all, I'm sure, will have you on stage or do some collaborative things with the UX Writing Hub on Clubhouse. And I would love that. Yeah, thank you so much. This is awesome. Great way to start the day. <laughs> cool. So thank you everyone for joining for our episode of Writers in Tech, a show brought to you by the UX Writing Hub, a platform for content designers, UX writers. We have a blog, weekly newsletter, a free course on our website that you can check out, and also training program for writers in tech. And see you on our next show. And bye.